Hello, sinners, saints, brothers, and sisters. I am so glad that you're here for another episode where we will inevitably explore our joy, shake our fists, and try to find our way in the midst of this chaotic world. Sinner Saint Sister really hopes to remind people that you are never, ever alone. So if you like today's episode, please share it with a friend. Maybe share it with your Bible study. Leave a review and like and subscribe. Look for extras on YouTube at youtube.com slash Allison Sullivan. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center Saint Sister. Talk therapy is more than just sitting on a couch and empathetic facial expressions. It's collaboration, each person with a job to do. A patient telling the truth, telling their story, a therapist listening and helping them change their story. It's people connecting within their roles. I went through a period of time where I felt like the world was behind glass. Even though my life was technically intact, I loved my husband, my kids were delightful, I had supportive friends, life felt really, really hard. I was convinced I just needed more sleep. I was convinced that if we as a society would just commit to feeding hungry people, then this weight on my chest would go away. I was convinced that if we would just refuse to elect people just because they had a lot of confidence and a little charisma and looked for competence and humility and integrity instead, eventually I would be fine. I didn't realize I was depressed. I was just sad. I was just moody. I was just difficult. I thought that being me just had its ups and downs, and this was certainly down. But then I kept feeling progressively worse and worse and worse until one day I got an alarming screen time notification and I did some simple math around how long it had been since I'd done some very basic hygiene and I realized that something needed to give. I agreed to talk to someone and I went in non-committed, a little breezy even, and I told her that I was just feeling things I didn't want to feel. That was all. And she nodded understandingly and said that our emotions can be used like a compass Emotions can point us to what we want, and that seemed reasonable. As I started to share more, I worried I was boring her. You probably hear some really dramatic stories, I said, and here I am with a pool in my backyard. She kindly said that people are only boring to her if they're trying to hide, if they're not telling the truth. There's no hierarchy of pain, she said pointedly. In fact, she said, her eyes locked on mine. I have found that people often minimize their own problems. You're not boring me, sweetheart. Go on, she said. And so I finished. And she leaned back and she thought a minute. I thought she was about to reference some really important theories and quote some really important philosophers. I thought she was going to give opinions. I thought she was going to weigh in. But she carefully just offered this. It sounds to me like you've been really depressed. And that declaration felt like church bells. Why are we so hesitant to name it? Sometimes we just need someone to help us name it. I'm not bad. I'm not weird. I just have this thing. And this thing is not the same as me. I'm not going to mislead you and tell you that therapy is now a part of my healthy rhythm. I only went one more time after that. But in those two visits, accompanied by the wise compassion of my therapist, I realized that there are truths that I already know 
and that depression was acting as a barrier to what I already knew, it threw in a despairing voice. It threw in a hateful voice, and it muddied the waters of the things that I knew and believed in. Two visits to a therapist helped me know what to turn down and what to turn up. Which voices were true, turn them up. Which voices were getting the most attention in my life? And she helped me change the damn station because depression is a terrible antenna. My therapist held up a mirror and she showed me something about myself. And I believed her because she didn't have to love me. She didn't love me at all. She was just doing her job. And so I told her about the things that weren't working. And she made me feel validated by marveling at how functional I had been while depressed. And she made me feel normal by assuring me that emotional struggles are a normal part of being a person in this world. In this episode, I talk with Dr. Holly Oxhandler about taking better care of ourselves so that we can take better care of others. And this conversation with her was also part of my healing that is always ongoing. She's wise and patient and nurturing and validating. And I think you'll just love what she has to say. Two words. Junk Gypsy. Do you know these creative misfits? If you do, congratulations. If you don't, you can thank me later. You are about to be so delighted and inspired. Junk Gypsy is my favorite home away from home with two of my favorite glitzy sisters who have a knack for creating spaces that all caps thrill me. They have a store. It's so fun. It's eclectic. It's filled with vintage and new curated finds. It's nestled in this most adorable little town, Round Top, Texas, population like 90 or something. Um, I've been to the Wander Inn. They have a bed and breakfast that is delightful. It restores my peace every single time I go. Go visit them at gypsyville.com. You will not be disappointed. Hurry. Hello, Holly. I am so, so grateful that you're joining us on Center St. Sister. I'm so excited for everybody to hear what you have to say. It feels very pertinent right now. But Dr. Holly Oxhandler is the Associate Dean for Research and Faculty Development and Associate Professor at Baylor. Uh, Holly studies religion and spirituality and health and mental health. And most recently, she has written a book, and she has <laughs> taken all of her studies and she's applying them on how to best care for ourselves so that we might more effectively care for others. Because truly, almost all of us are caretakers in some capacity. And Holly, you write and speak so eloquently about mm -hmm. mental health as just health, you know, that the brain is just any other organ that can either yeah. be healthy or not, working well some days or not, and you yes. normalize through your writing and your posting, you normalize therapy, you normalize medication, and you so lovingly meet people right where they're at with your writing, speaking, and posting. And it's such an honor for you to be here. Oh my gosh, Allison, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the opportunity and those beautiful words of encouragement <laughs> and support. I, I'm just so honored um, to be here with you today. So well, I mean them. Me. Yeah, of course. I mean them all wholeheartedly. I have recently found myself mm. in a mentally fragile place. And so um, meeting you has come at just the right time for me. Um, mm. To introduce yourself personally a little bit to some listeners, will you tell us um, who or what you love? Yeah, well, I certainly love my partner, Corey, and my kiddos, Callie and Oliver, who I write about quite a bit in this book. Um, 
and I love Dave Matthews Band. Um, we actually just went to our- <laughs> Yes, I saw that. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. We went to our first, um, our kiddos went to their first concert this last weekend, and that was so good for the soul to get oh, to just- Oh, it is. Music. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So It's good. funny. I just gave um, a Kali- uh a collegiate that I know and love to be mindful of the music you listen to in your twenties because you'll listen yes. to it forever. <laughs> yes, that's so true. It's choose so, good so stuff. True. You're right. Yes, that's right. Yes, please choose good stuff. And we need the spectrum, right? Like we need the whole spectrum of music for different seasons. But um, yes, exactly. I think intentionality matters. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. interrupt you about who or what you love. No, 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 no. That's okay. I, I mean. I don't know. I mean, my family, music, um, I love research, which, you know, I geek out about it quite a bit and just see it as another form of, um, you know, helping us better understand ourselves and the world mm-hmm. around us and mm-hmm. better serve those around us. And so um, I love social work. I love the intersection of faith and mental health. I could go on and on, but, but those are a handful of things. Oh, so. You quote so many people I love throughout your work. Mm. And it's, oh. I know I was just reading and reading and reading mm. and thinking, oh, you're only in Waco. I want to be a friend in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. I am going to start out reading just a paragraph because I would like to prove to listeners just how matter-of-factly you approach this. It felt so healing to me, but um, you say at some point in our lives, over 80% of us will meet the criteria for a diagnosable mental health struggle. Mm -hmm. Should this come as any surprise? The brain is living. It's human. It's imperfect. And it has the potential for sickness, just like any other organ in our body. Mm -hmm. This is particularly true if we don't provide it with proper nutrition, rest, exercise, or if we're surrounded by an unhealthy environment. Hello, yep. 2020 and beyond. Yep. 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 <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And when you couple a lack of care or a toxic environment, it's a wonder that any of us think we are getting out of this life without mm. a mental health struggle at some point point. And I just love this really scientific approach that you have brought to something as dynamic and moving and changing as, you know, our brain and our mental health, because I think we can really attribute it to some personality weakness or some kind of Mm -hmm. character character Mm -hmm. flaw that causes these mental health problems. And Mm -hmm. I feel like the message that we get a lot of times is that we can just snap out of it if we try hard enough. Mm -hmm. But in Mm -hmm. reading the first couple of chapters of your book, I already started to feel healthier because it's impossible to move forward in recovery if we're blaming ourselves, you know, if we're gaslighting ourselves into thinking that mental illness isn't real. Um, Can you talk a little bit about blame and shame when it comes to mental illness? Oh my gosh. Well, first I thank you for reading that portion Mm -hmm. of the book and just starting there, because I think you're right. So many of us tend to think like, oh, well, you know, it's not me or, you know, maybe there's some better things that I can do to kind of achieve my way out of some of these mental health struggles, but that is just not the reality of the human condition. And the fact is, as you read, you know, like our brain, it is an organic part of who we are that is susceptible to illness and struggling. And, and yeah. even if we aren't, we are, you know, that my social worker, the social worker in me is like, and we have these environments around us and systems and structures that influence us that, you know, we can't just, we can't just hustle our way out of some of the struggles. Like yeah. we do have to pay attention to a lot of things that are contributing 
So when I think about the shame and some of the blame or just those negative messages that we pick up, I know that, you know, many of us throughout our lives have probably picked up implicit and explicit messages being like, it's on us to figure it all out. And that is not helpful or that, you know, mental health struggles are just the thing out there and it's, you know, not us, it's, it's, it's others or, you know, even that recognition that one in five of us are currently struggling. Like that is important for us to know that one in five of us are currently struggling and we need to hold light. We need to hold alongside the reality that folks are recovering from mental health struggles or they will face mental health struggles. And so just kind of dismantling some of the stigma around this has been heavily at the heart of what I've tried to be doing with this work over the years so that we can move forward and heal instead of just get stuck in that cycle of shame around this area of our lives. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned two words that um, stuck out to me. One of them was achieve. Mm -hmm. And then um, one of them was hustle. And so one thing that I've, one way that I've been describing this, my recent bout Mm -hmm. lately Mm -hmm. um, and first really first bout Mm -hmm. is with depression is um, that it was, it's the only thing I feel I haven't been able to strong arm my way into or out of, like, I can't seem to strong arm this. But when I read that paragraph, it was like, well, I, I would never expect myself to strong arm my kidney into functioning. That's right. That's That's ridiculous. And so it was so healing to me. But I feel like we can be affected by a culture that questions the severity of our struggles Mm -hmm. and then questions our sincerity of our efforts. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Are you really struggling and are you trying hard enough? You know, and then if we're, if we breathe that in, then we're not doing the things that we need to be doing to heal. So that dismantling that you just mentioned, it feels so foundational. Mm. I love that. Thank you. So Holly, your faith is present in all that you do. There is simply no separating you from it. And I I love that so much. You truly radiate the love that he gave Mm -hmm. first onto um, the people that you you. care for. It's an overflow and it's obvious. Um, And the kindness and generosity of your work is is sacred. And you write really beautifully Mm -hmm. about how as image bearers, it's accessible to all of us, whether we are believing Mm -hmm. or unbelieving. And Mm -hmm. what in your studies have is the connection um, between spirituality and or religion and mental health and how do they influence mental health um, either for better or for worse? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I love that you asked this question. It's so, <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. So this, this intersection of spirituality and mental health has certainly been at the heartbeat of a lot of the research that I've done and have really um, tried to understand that others have done too, because there are mm-hmm. many other scholars who are doing this work too. But from what we understand in the research is that one, there is a connection between our spirituality and mental health. We know that Um, When clients' uh, faith is integrated ethically and effectively into mental health treatment, they tend to get better 
faster, or they have the same, about the same treatment results, but generally we see that they get better faster. So, so we want our mental health care providers to be paying attention to this area of clients' lives in treatment. Um, so there's that piece. We also know that clients tend to want to talk about this area of their lives in treatment. Mm-hmm. They often want the provider to be the one to bring it up because it can be kind of a taboo topic in huh. a lot of ways. Yeah. And we also see that clients, they, um, they see a a relevance in this area. So they see that their faith is relevant to their mental health and that when they are, uh, when they're engaging with both journeys side by side, um, and paying attention to them, that, that they do heal in a lot of ways and uh, more quickly. So as you noted, certainly as I'm talking about this, there are ways that our faith can be woven into um, our lives in a way that supports us and helps us cope through difficulties. Um, But we also know that there are ways that our faith can be negatively tied to what we're wrestling with or struggling with. We may um, be navigating spiritual struggles or religious trauma in our past that, you know, we, we've got to work through that, but that it's still tied in with our mental health care um, and treatment. So, um, and, and I think we generally are more familiar with the ways that faith, uh, can be a source of support and coping and help folks kind of navigate difficult seasons. So, but it is a complexity of both. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, it's interesting to me to think, because that's true for me, that it's like my mental health fell apart, my spiritual life fell apart. And Mm. then as I started to heal, they both started to improve. And it's like, well, which came first? I'm not sure. Did I have a spiritual experience that kind of, you know, kicked Mm -hmm. me back into some wellness Mm -hmm. or did I, you know, get the therapy I needed and the medication I needed that kind of re-motivated me to seek and search. And, you know, so it's interesting. And I don't, I truly don't know the answer to that, but I do feel like it's a fine line because it's easy to see how our religion, which, you know, generates peace, right. Um, right. That, that, that's healing. Hopefully. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's not a given. Yeah. Good point. That's right. Yeah. Um, But it can generate healing, but it's also to see how if it's a healing practice, then you cling to all of these teachings as the end all be all as this answer Mm. to all problems. And then you might end up dismissing or avoiding Mm. or repressing, Mm -hmm. you know, some things that might be very real. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. One thing in your work that really grabbed my attention, and I can't wait to hear more about this from you, um, was mm. your namaste theory. Yeah. Um, I oh. am a yoga instructor. <laughs> and oh, <laughs> And that. one mm. of um, the most healing thing that I've ever done is just lying in stillness because stillness yeah. um, evades us. You know, we live in this, this, uh, chaotic pace with a hectic schedule with a to-do list Mm -hmm. longer than, you know, we know what to do with. And, um, and there's something about lying in stillness and in silence under the tender Mm -hmm. care of a father that loves us just as we are. And then you can get rid of the pesky thought that tells you, you ought to be somebody different when you can just lie there fully loved. And that is yeah. what yoga has been for me. And it's what I try to generate mm. in, in the classes that I teach. Uh, so when you, when you bring up namaste theory, I'm like, <laughs> I need to know more. Will you tell us, Aww. will you tell us? Yeah, 
absolutely. Well, one, I mean, thank you for the work that you're doing as a yoga teacher to hold that space for each of your students. It matters. And, and I am grateful to hear that, that you are holding that space for them. Um, namaste theory was something that bubbled up as I was doing this research and finding that mental health care providers who were more deeply motivated to live out their faith, they tended to be more inclined to integrate their client's faith into Uh mental health treatment. And so I noticed this pattern and it wasn't just in social work, but it was in each of the different disciplines. And so as I further dug into this, I realized and talked with other general helpers about this. I realized that, that it generalizes to everyday helpers, whether that's Mm -hmm. parents or partners or teachers Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, staff members, faith leaders, on and on, podcasters, authors, et cetera. But at the crux of this theory is this, um, this, this Sanskrit term namaste, which literally means I bow to you, but more generally we understand it to mean the sacred within me recognizes the sacred within you or the divine in me honors the divine in you. And I had some general understanding of the term, but, um, I really wanted to honor the cultural roots and the, the history of this term to the best of my ability And so I read um, from some authors um, within the the, um, Indian tradition and the Hindu tradition to understand. Um, And one in particular, A.K. Krishna Nambiar, wrote about there is this spiritual underpinning of this term and this recognition that that the divine in me is honoring the divine in you. And so it really brought order to what I was seeing in my data as the mental health care providers were more likely to recognize the sacred within themselves. They were more open to and actually did integrate the client's faith into treatment more often. Um, and so that, that theory, you know, I, it originally started within those, um, those mental health care providers, but truthfully the, the research, it changes us. I mean, Allison, like as we do this research and we wrestle with it and we embody it, it changes us. And so that whole second part of the book is where I kind of walk through the wobbliness and the humanity of like wrestling with this theory within my own life and how I can, um, better recognize the sacred within myself, because I think that, and I really would argue that if we aren't recognizing it within ourselves, it's really hard to see it in others around us. And that stillness it is so that we can see it as you were just talking about, it is critical. So, um, so that's kind of where namaste theory originated and then kind of those stages that I I write into in the second part of the book. So just everything you say just hits me so (laughs) deeply, but, um, there's this quote and I, I wish I know who said it, but I don't, but it's, um, you can only meet someone as deeply as you've met yourself. And so what I was, yeah, what I was just saying about lying there loved yeah. It's like if if I can get rid of the pesky thought that that I ought to be somebody different, then mm-hmm. I don't have to force anyone else into being That's right. someone different, you know? Yeah. And so that yes. acceptance, which is what I feel from you. I feel this mm-hmm. just non-judgmental receptive yeah. acceptance. Like you are just you're so you so lovingly meet people right where they are, which is how I started mm-hmm. out this whole thing. Um but to think that how we care for ourselves isn't directly yeah. related to how we care for others is a great oversight. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're really, can't, 
Yeah. We can't give to others what we aren't giving to ourselves. Like we just can't, it's not possible. So yeah. You're really vulnerable in this book and in your writings about how, you know, your tendency to achieve your way into a better place or to overwork your way into um, a better place. And what are, what are some better ways that you have um, Mm. learned to care for yourself? Like when you're being mindful of the things that you should do versus what you shouldn't do, what do you do to stay healthy? Yeah. Oh gosh, that's a good question. And thank you for your kind words just before. I really do appreciate that. You're so great. Um, Thank you. I I think building off of what you just said, that non-judgmental self-observation is so Mm. important and starting Mm. that with myself so that even when I am in those seasons of like, I can kind of feel that, you know, that desire to hustle is like Mm -hmm. upticking because I'm still human, you know, those invitations to to breathe, to be in this moment, to remind myself I'm doing the best I can with what I have and to be reminded that it's not just me, but those around me are as well. But, but to start that with myself, um, so that I can then from there gently discern how I need to move toward better caring for myself. I think that that's a good starting point. And, and I weave in some practices in the book around, um, you know, non-judgmental self-observation around practicing awareness and the reality of ways in which we are addicted to hustle and to achieve and to go. And, you know, and just like substances, you know, we have these behavioral addictions and that is part of the go, go, go mentality for helpers among us. Um, and so I think, so that's a starting point. I think some other ones that are really at the crux for me is, um, you know, mental health treatment and being consistent with showing up for that care. Um, so that I have that, that hour each week or every other week or whatever, so that I can unpack all the things I'm carrying and discern what I need to carry moving forward. Um, and I absolutely know that, especially as a social worker, I know that there are layers uh, and barriers to mental health treatment. And I am hoping and yeah. trying to advocate that, yes. that those barriers aren't there. Um, at the same time, I know in order for me to sustainably continue to do this work, I have to keep showing up to that work, to the yeah. therapy session. Mm-hmm. So, so that's important. And then centering prayer is the other one that is my just, oh gosh, it is my go-to. So um, for listeners who are not familiar with centering prayer, they can kind of think of it like meditation. Um, But the difference is that we are, um, we are surrendering and consenting to God's action and presence within us and being still in that moment or for those moments that we are med- or engaged in this prayer. But it is a constant surrender and letting go of the stream of thoughts that just yeah. keep going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, usually I would, I encourage folks start with like three minutes and just do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They can use insight timer as a great app for it, but uh, but the reality is, is even in my consistent practice, um, I do 20 minutes a day and it may be 10 or 15 minutes that I'm still like letting go and breathing and just trying to let go of all those thoughts. And, um, but eventually I'll, I will go back to that reminder as, as you talked about earlier of remembering that I am beloved yeah. as I am. Yeah. I don't have to do anything to hustle for that, but but I'm just loved in this moment. So, and then from that place, I can go out and serve others. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Mm. Um, okay. So I like to end interviews with what you are hopeful for. Um, and uh. that can be anything. It doesn't have to be tied <laughs> to anything that we talked about. Mm. So I'll, while you're kind of thinking about that for a minute, mm. can mm-hmm. let's give people all the chances to follow you in all mm. the places, starting, of course, with um, going to maybe first your local bookstore. Um, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> the yes. Soul of the Helper. And then mm. if not your local bookstore, store, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, what? Mm-hmm. All the things. All, all yep. the places. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. It's wonderful and helpful. And I highly, mm-hmm. highly, highly recommend. Thank you. I really so that. where can people find you on social media? Yeah. So I'm on social media at Holly Oxhandler. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and then I have my website, hollyoxhandler.com. I have a monthly newsletter. Um, that's on Substack and it's just, uh, that folks can find through my website. And then I also have a podcast that I know we touched base on before too, that, um, it's called CXMH and we have honest conversations on the intersection of faith and mental health. And, um, yeah, and, and that's all over on social media as well, or they can find it at CXMHpodcast.com. Okay. So we're buying the book. We're subscribing to the podcast. We're signing up for the newsletter and then go follow Holly Oxhandler on um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, Okay. What are you hopeful for Holly? Oh, so I love that you asked this question because this is also how we end each uh, podcast episode no way. too. Yes, it is. It Get is. out so of I here. Really, yeah. Yep. Yep. It's the same I have question. Chills. I love it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so good, but it's such an important question, right? Yeah. So thank you for asking it. Um, what I am hopeful for, I will say right in this moment that I'm hopeful for is I know, um, I, and many other parents and academics and students and teachers are looking to the summer. Um, and I think in this particular moment, my hope is that the helpers among us, that they look to the summer and they, um, they are very intentional in resting and yes. healing. God bless them. Very intentional. Um, my fear is if we don't look to the summer and think, no, that can wait. I can yeah. wait. Or, you know, just finding the things that just don't absolutely need to happen right in this moment. If we don't prioritize healing this summer, I just worry about moving into the next year, um, how tired we're going to be, knowing how tired so many of us are in this moment. So so I hope that helpers will rest well this summer. I hope that that this book um, serves the helpers among us well and um, remind them of their belovedness. Yeah. So thank yeah, you. I will be recommending it to all the caretakers in my life. There Aww. are many. Thank you for your very important work, Holly. You are the safest place to land. You feel like a friend Aww. already. Thank you thank so you, much. Allison. I appreciate it. Friends, you might not know this, but I wrote a book. It's a spiritual memoir of sorts and puts a modern day spin on old parables that are still so applicable to our everyday lives. Judgment, forgiveness, evangelizing, heartbreak, joy. I'd love for you to grab a copy. Head on over to Amazon and look for Rock, Paper, Scissors by Allison Sullivan. Hello, Beefy. Beefy, beef, beef. Hi, hi. Hi. Um, Okay, so I have to say, I want to start off this little segment by saying how much Holly reminded me of you. Oh my gosh. 
I loved her so much. There was something just about her approach to life, her approach to chaos, even her approach to me that <laughs> that reminded me so much of you. Did you well, love her? I love her. So I love that. Thank you. <laughs> it's actually funny that you say that because uh, one of the first things I noticed, and she said it pretty early on in an interview, is that you can't achieve your way out of this. You can't ch- achieve oh. your way out of like a mental health struggle. Yeah. And I just like rolled my eyes with a dang and rewind it and listened again and wrote it down. Um, I related a lot to what she had to say. And I do think we have some similar coping mechanisms. Yeah. Um, I loved y'all's conversations. Another thing that really stood out to me was how y'all talked about like the spirituality component of mental health and y'all, I don't know if you remember, but y'all went back and forth on like, whether it was like a chicken or the egg, like does spirituality lead to better mental health or is it an effect of better mental health? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Super interesting. It actually made me think of an experience that um, that we had or I had when you were struggling with your mental health. Um, I don't know if it's okay to share, but you could edit me if you want. Oh, no. My life is on display. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I trust you inherently. Go ahead. Okay. Well, if, you don't tr- if, I, if I screw it up, you can cut it. Um, <laughs> you, you, <clears throat> I know you remember at the, um, there was a point where you let a small group of close friends in on some of what was going on. And we gathered, we gathered quickly and we spent a day of doing just a lot of listening to you and what was going on and what we were experiencing and how you were perceiving the world. Um, and when I was driving home, I was just reflecting on everything and just started kicking myself for not initiating a group prayer at some point during the day or as we were breaking. Mm -hmm. And so when I got home, I texted you, I mean, I felt terrible and I apologized to you for that. Um, and your response was something along the lines of, Oh, geez, I'm so glad we didn't pray that that would have been really stressful. And I mean, of course I followed your lead and just prayed my face off without you. But, um, but that was like a very concrete moment of awareness for me that you were just not yourself because your normal self would have been like laid out on the floor and like had Uh, all the hands on you, you know? uh, Um, and then later, I don't even know if I've shared this one with you, but after, um, you know, after time and medication, other things, and you were seeming more like yourself. Um, you told me, uh, you were excited to tell me about an encounter with the Holy spirit that you had had that day that you're excited about. Um, and what's super beefy is that I don't have an idea. I don't remember at all what the story was about, but I distinctly remember like the sense of relief, um, that you were open and aware of the Holy spirit. And I hadn't seen that in a while. So I'm still not sure wow. if it's chicken or the egg, but, um, but that was, yeah. even as she said that I like those, both of those memories just like came flooding back. Uh, so. Wow. I'm like all in this moment right now. No, I know, <laughs> I'm like, I know. okay, lead the, lead the podcast. Um, <laughs> wow, that's so um, interesting. I, um, you know, what's interesting to me and it is, is a, um, a good barometer of where I am right now is mm-hmm. that I can't imagine, um, not wanting prayer. I can't imagine like, but I do remember that feeling in my body of, oh, please don't do that. Like, yeah, it was something about it was too much. And I was like, all right, but I knew that that was not, you know um, what it reminds me of though. It was, um, when a dear friend of ours lost her daughter, um, and she was so angry and Mm -hmm. she said, I can't pray right now. I just can't pray right now. I mean, it Mm -hmm. was, you know, she was, she was um, frantic with that emotion and a mm-hmm. dear friend of ours who was there. And I was so grateful how quickly she said it. She goes, that's our job. 
we, we've got mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and I love that idea the of body. community. Yes. Just stepping in for one another. Gosh, right. that's really right. beautiful. Ugh. Um, how about since your life's on display, beefy beef, how are you doing <laughs> today? Tell the people, I know a little yeah. bit about it, but yeah. Else. Um, so there were a handful of things that were very, very healing for me. In fact, I just had a really good friend tell me, um, I was in a play this summer mm-hmm. and it was oh amazing. Gosh, why is this going to make me cry? I don't know. Oh, wow. Um, but I was in a play this summer and it was so healing. It was so neat to get out there, try something new, mm-hmm. um, dive into a hobby, have very few expectations of myself because it was the first time. Um, and I had a friend go out, um, afterwards and she called me the day after and said, when we went out after your play, that was the first time I have heard you really laugh. And I don't know how long. And I was like, I know that you're right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Um, So that was one thing that really, you know, kind of, it was like this rope. It's like, it was Mm -hmm. like a rope that was lowered in, you know, to Mm -hmm. a well and like in sitting on the edge of that well were all of the, these wonderful people just waiting. And they were all lowering ropes of different kinds. Mm-hmm. And and the play was one of them for sure. Another one has been summer. Um, it's just yeah. the lack of routine, the lack of schedule really suits my personality. I know a lot of people need a lot of structure and I kind of buckle under it. Just the expectation of, um, I don't know, just early rising and, you know, insistence on getting to bed at a certain time. It just stresses right, me out. Anyways. Right. Um, so, so summer has been nice. Um, the other thing is getting a reclaiming of my body, like getting my Mm. body moving. Um, I was really resistant to that. It was just the last thing that I I wanted to do. And, um, a dear friend basically just swooped into my house and was like, come on, we're going to yoga. Mm -hmm. And then there was this gym that offered yoga three times a day, which is unusual. And that, but it was a rock climbing gym. And I'm like, well, I don't know anything about rock climbing, but they offer yoga three times a day and there's a treadmill in the corner. And so one class of yoga led to five minutes on a treadmill, which led to maybe I'll try rock climbing, which that felt really, I know when that felt really intimidating because there's all these people that are pros and have chalk, like de-ringed to their belts and whatever. As but one does. I, yeah, yeah. But I found some kids in a corner and I was like, I'll ask them to help me. And I went and I climbed rocks with, with, and I, and I rock climbed with kids. And so it was just this very easy, risk-free introduction, yeah. just something new and different. And so, so using my body. So, so the play, the, the relaxation and peace of summer, um, mm-hmm. you know, joining this gym and, I found this perfume that smells like sunscreen that like every time I spray it, it just makes me really happy. So. <laughs> sure. It makes the manufacturer happy too. Cause I bet you're the only person buying a sun- <laughs> perfume that smells like sunscreen. Listen, it's called vacation. Go check it out. Okay. Um, so anyways, there, there's just this handful of things that have just kind of seemed to all work together mm-hmm. and I can't help but notice how wrapped in privilege they all are. Like, you know, Mm. I'm not working through a summer. I am home with my kids. That's privilege. I, I have 64 extra dollars a month to, you know, put towards a gym membership. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I started out the episode talking about some talk therapy. I got, you know, all of those, all of those things are a privilege that I don't take for granted. So. Well, we, 
Speaking of like talk therapy, I, I have a friend that where we have a friend that um, started being aware of and taking her mental health before any of the rest of us had it on our radar. Um, and so she recently sent me a list of like easy, um, easy to get more affordable um, therapy. So I have them here for us to tell the people about. Okay, good. Um, yes. One one site that she loves is just through Instagram and it's called a black female therapist, all one word. And, and that woman has a jillion resources and some of it's just, you know, an uplifting post or something thoughtful, but then lots and lots of resources. Um, and this will be in show notes, by the way. Yes. Yes. Um, and she's sent her to me and I've started following her and it's really, really, really good stuff. Um, and then another resource is betterhelp.com. It's a website. And so it's online therapy. Um, you still have to pay for it, I believe, but it's, it's more affordable and then definitely more convenient, right? Cause there's a lot of people that are like, great. If I had time to take care of my mental health or, you know, a car or, you know, extra childcare, I could do that better. But this is something that you can do, um, from your house at, on, uh, the schedule that works for you. So those yeah. are two that I know about. Awesome. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I think that there's a lot happening with apps on our phones, yes. you know, there's yes. lots of meditation apps and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I just, I, I like the idea of us all working together to mm-hmm. lower ropes into said well, and, um, coming up with new and inventive ideas to help each other get better. Yep. Amen. Thanks beef. Love you. Love you. Thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you for being here. A very special thank you to all guests and sponsors. A really special thank you to Taylor Schroll for mixing and editing. For more content, you can head over to Instagram at Allison M. Sully and TikTok at Sullivan Family TikTok. You can also check out Forte Catholic and subscribe there where you have a 25% chance of hearing me co-host. I am so grateful for all of the love and support that we offer each other here. Today's show was a production of Allison Sullivan in conjunction with the Forte Catholic Podcast Network. For more great Catholic podcasts, head on over to ForteCatholic.com slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.